Hello, this is Rose Quizan Villazor, Interim Co-Dean of Rutgers Law School in Newark. And I am Kim Mutcherson, Co-Dean of Rutgers Law School in Camden. And this is The Power of Attorney. So it's already a different episode because we've got both of us on here today, uh, but it's going to be even more different because we are going to be the interviewees instead of the interviewers today. So I'm going to let uh, our interviewers introduce themselves and get us started. I can go first. Um, hi, I'm, Del <laughs> I'm Delilah Hayden. I am the SBA president at Rutgers Law School in Newark. Hi, I'm Caitlin Connell, and I'm the SBA president for Rutgers Law School in Camden. Thanks for interviewing us. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. So fire, fire away. <laughs> what made you decide to seek out the opportunity to be a law school dean? Was it something you always wanted to do? So I'll go first. Um, it definitely was not something I always wanted to do. Um, I'm not even sure it was something that I wanted to do when I said yes to it, quite <laughs> frankly. Um, so I ended up becoming dean because I was the vice dean at a time when the person who was our dean um, got a new deanship and was going to be leaving and the chancellor on the Camden campus um, asked me to step in as dean. So um, I became dean in January, 2019. Um, and I think the first conversation that I had with the chancellor about becoming dean was in November, 2018. So I had a very, very short window of time, one, to decide that I was gonna say yes, um, and then two, to sort of transition into into the role. So it was not something that I sought out. Um, it has been the most difficult professional experience of my life, um, but also incredibly rewarding. Like Dean Mutcherson, I did not seek out the position of a deanship. I was also vice dean. I actually became vice dean near the same time that Dean Mutcherson became the dean. Um, by December of 2018, uh, Dean Lopez had announced that he had asked me to serve as the vice dean in Newark. And um, Dean Reed Weiss board at the time was finishing up his vice deanship. And so I started to shadow him in the spring of 2019. But my, I, I didn't start officially until July 2019. And uh, being vice dean is something that I had thought about. Um, academic affairs dean, that's a normal type of administrative work that many law professors try to do or are interested in. I and mean, it's something that I thought about before. And the reason why is because I wanted to be uh, to have some say in the institution with respect to faculty affairs. You know, primarily looking at research support for them and then how to mentor junior faculty. And so I wanted to do that. And part of being vice dean meant being involved in that. But then uh, two years later, Dean Lopez um, stepped down and the chancellor asked me in Newark to also to be the dean. Um, it's different, though. We wanted in Newark, we wanted to do a national search. Um, and so I agreed to serve as interim dean. And honestly, I don't know if I wanted to. It wasn't something that I wanted to commit to, to be a permanent dean anyway. And so having an interim uh, deanship gave me the opportunity to really think about is this what I want because being a dean is different from a, being vice dean and in terms of scope of work the hours that one engages in the types of challenges that that one faces as a dean completely different from being a vice dean and so that's how I got to where I am and then after the first year of the interim deanship or during that time um, President Holloway had said that we were going to um, select one dean and so then I stayed on, I was asked to stay on for a second year. And, um, and you know, the rest of the story, we're in the middle of the Dean search and uh, Dean Mutcherson and I will both be stepping down at the same time. That's amazing. Um, and I, I think it's such, um, I don't know what the word is, um, amazing that you both, we have two strong leaders in Norkin Camden at the same time. I think um, that's amazing. And the fact that it was practically fate is so interesting. <laughs> I mean, having a being a co-dean, that kind of relationship, it's unique in uh, the academy. Most law schools have just one dean. There are, I think, only two other law schools that might have this same kind of um, um, structure 
But what's unique about us is that we are in two locations and some law schools that have a co-deanship, they're in the same, just one campus. Mm -hmm. And so uh, being co-deans was different from what I imagine a dean would be. And, um, and and it's been really a privilege to work closely with Dean Mutcherson. I've learned a lot from her, learned a lot from our uh, from the work, the relationship that we've developed with each other and our colleagues. So it's been, it really has been a challenging but also rewarding experience. Absolutely. Oh, okay. I'll ask my question. Um, has being a dean affected, I guess, your career outside as a legal scholar or just as a legal professor? Because I know you both still do professor work, but do you think that being a dean has made you reflect on your work differently or treat it differently or just go about it with a new perspective? I think that, I mean, one thing that I will definitely say about being a dean is that it has given me an enormous amount of appreciation for people who are deans. Um, the the amount of work that's involved, the amount of sort of politicking that's involved, the amount of um, anger that is directed towards you <laughs> on a regular basis um, has all been um, really eye-opening and, and difficult in some circumstances. But um, I never stopped teaching. Rose never stopped teaching um, either. And I've always loved teaching. Teaching for me is the best part of this job, frankly. Um, and it's been incredibly important for me to be able to still be in the classroom and to interact with students, not as the dean, but as a professor. Um, because that's, you know, that's the space where I feel like I am providing the most value, frankly, um, uh, in the classroom. So that's been really great. Um, and in terms of my scholarship, whew, it's been very hard to keep that up while, while being a dean. And given the work that I do, right, I'm a reproductive justice scholar, and the world has basically blown up for those of us who do this work. Um, so particularly since last year, I've been working really hard to try to find spaces where I can still do that work because it's so critical right now. So there's definitely a part of me that's looking forward to, you know, July 1, 2023, when I can sort of leap back into uh, doing that work more consistently. Yeah, writing as a dean, researching and writing, it, both are super challenging while one is in an administrative role. It's been really hard to research and write. And I publish, I was part of a book project and like Dean Mutchison was able to publish too. But I think that actually getting the work done meant, it, it made it so much harder because then I'd have to wake up even earlier than I needed to or stay up later because um, once I'm in the office, then it's all Dean work. My my calendar is just booked. I, I Before I became a Dean, I controlled my own calendar. And then when I became the Dean, three other people had access to my calendar and I would wake up and I'll just see a bunch of different meetings scheduled and think, oh, there goes my writing time. And so a lot of researching and writing happens early in the morning or late at night. And, um, and I, I, in my work, I write on critical race theory and so, as you know, in the past few years, there's been a lot of pushback and um, politicization of CRT. And so I've been wanting to uh, be much more active in researching and writing that area, but I have not been to the extent that I want. And so that's been part of the, the, um, the challenge. And, the, you know, you have to there's some things you have to give up once in a while when you're a dean, when you're serving in an administrative capacity. And so research and writing, I've slowed down in my writing. And I, like Dean much as I'm looking forward to July 1st I, and, and go back to some articles that I've kind of set aside and a book project that I've um, I've ignored. As for teaching, it's, it is one, one of those um, passion that I couldn't give up. I mean, if there was one thing I did not want to give up, it's teaching. Being in the classroom gives me that kind of joy that I love. That's what I love about being a professor, to actually interact with students and be able to mentor them. As hard as it is, it's not, it's it's so hard teaching, prepping for class and being really, uh, being present for students. But I do it because I love teaching and um, see and making sure that I'm still there for students um, while I'm, I'm in this world. You know what I wanted to add, Rose, because I was thinking about um, 
So, so when you become a dean, um, there is, we call it baby dean school. Um, so like in, in the summer, there's a meeting that the Association of American Law Schools does, and we all sort of get together and, you know, we talk to people who are already deans and they give us advice and everything. And I remember when I went to baby dean school, um, one of the conversations was about when do you sort of speak out as a dean, right? When do you sort of talk about, you know, what might be potentially controversial issues? And there was a more senior dean there who said, um, I only ever talk about things if it's, you know, squarely in my wheelhouse, sort of in a scholarly sense. Um, and and if it's something that's like so huge that you can't not talk about it, otherwise I will not engage in any discussions sort of about what's going on in the world. And I remember in that moment being like, well, that's not how I'm going to be, right? Like that's just, I can't even imagine having to sort of put aside all the other sorts of things that I care about um, as, as part of, of being a dean. And I think that's one of the things that Rose and I have both been um, very clear on, that there are things that matter to us, there are things that are important to us, um, and that we're still going to talk about those things and um, have conversations and say things that are potentially, you know, controversial because being a dean doesn't mean that you have to stop being a person who cares mm -hmm. about things in the world. I have chosen to limit my um, the things that I would sign on to because I recognize even in my personal capacity, when they Google me, they'll see that I'm the interim dean, and I don't ever want to ascribe my views onto the, my personal views onto the institution. So I have, with exception with exception of immigration, when it's immigration, then I'm I'm all in and I put my name out there. But on other things that I would have signed on to as a law professor. I have I've chosen in the last four years to not be as um, as open about them. And I, you know, when I go back to the faculty, I, I will go back to my normal things of signing on to anything that I think is uh, that want, or my name helps to, or my uh, my signature helps to lengthen the number of support for a particular cause. That's really insightful to hear. Um, for me personally, I um, am very anxious for July 1st, 2023, because I'll be studying for the bar. <laughs> otherwise, I'm really excited for both of you. I mean, like Dean CV, it's been great seeing you and how much you've done for the school. And like, I've had like two different deans, which is nice in my three years here. But I think that being president and like serving with you and connecting with you has been extremely rewarding because you do a lot for the school that no one like always sees every day. And I think it's especially like as a woman of color, it's like not only are you a dean who's like, oh, like I'm working, I'm a professor, but it's also like you're a representative in a way of like, this is what women of color can do. This is what we can aspire to do, even if you didn't directly do the application and search and things for the deanship. I think that you both have done a great job. Um, and I'm excited to see your academia in the future. Like I love reading on CRT and reproductive justice and changes, and that's still a huge topic. Um, so good things you have, you haven't missed out on everything. So that's really good. Well, Delilah, it's been great working with you because I got to know you when you were still a 1L, yeah. right? You ended up, um, the, the, there were some changes within the SBA that led you to step up. Yeah. And so in Newark, it's, it's, it's a story. I think it's a theme that's, um, that I'm, I'm seeing here. Caitlin, I don't know if you chose to, to run for SBA initially, but Delilah was sort of, she was just going to be one of the what, were you, uh, recording secretary or? or yeah, well, I um, became president in 2L, but it was still like right the beginning of 2L years. Yeah. So it was essentially yeah. like half my school career has been being president of SBA, which is very weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you chose to serve again in your third year. I mean, you really could have just stepped back and said, oh, you know, I've done my time two years and then you, you continue to stay on. And I think that's that says a lot about the kind of you know, your service to the community, which as you both know, being in this position, leadership position, it's not easy. There's so many stakeholders and you you represent a position that can't, um, that has to contend with various tensions and conflicts. And uh, you really have to figure out a way to navigate um, those different demands, right? From various individuals and groups. Yes, it's very true. Um, so I'm sure, like Lila said, you're very excited for July 1st. Delilah and I would like to go backwards in time. Um, 
And I really respect and admire how you both stayed true to what it seems like your passion was for becoming a dean, which was being educators first and foremost. Um, but is there anything else you can think of throughout your experience as being the deans of the co-deans of Rutgers Law that has also been very personally rewarding? Okay. Um, well, there are a lot of things about being a dean and a vice dean. I count just four, four years of service that have um, that I've. I feel really good about. And a lot of this work is invisible. You know, you're not going to, we're not going to send out a press release about these things, but I feel good about them. So, um, and I, I could talk about it from the student, you know, students and then faculty and then staff. For students, I was committed to making sure that there were more courses, um, particularly on immigration and race. And with that, that also came alongside the time that we that the faculty um, issued a, um, a resolution in support of Black Lives Matter, uh, the movement, and then um, in recommitting ourselves to be an anti-racist institution. So that aligned with my vision of uh, making sure that we had more courses on um, not only CRT, but other race-related courses, but also just courses in general that opened up um, our understanding of the development of the law from various perspectives, gender, disability, um, immigration status. So I was committed to that as a vice dean. And then related to that, I really wanted to work hard on student experience and thinking of how technology could help um, that make better student life. And here I'm talking about in Newark because we in Newark have not, um, you know, talking about limited resources, we haven't had um, as many resources on our end to, to make sure that we had the right technology so that students can check their grades easily or um, can, can move uh, between different courses uh, much more easily than others. And so that took, it's, and it's still an ongoing project, but it just takes so long to get us up to speed on that. And so I'm, I'm glad to see that with the Lashonek's um, entry to the law school that she has taken that on and it's, um, she's pushing for that, which I'm grateful for. So that's for students. Um, for faculty, um, we don't have a lot of research funds for faculty to do their research. And um, my goal has been to think, to explore how else can we, um, what are some endowments that we have not used or what are some other opportunities that we can rely upon so that we can increase the pot of research money for um, for faculty and the much as a nose I sometimes sound like a like a, um, a broken record we need to raise more money for faculty scholarship because I came from three other institutions before here and in those institutions I just saw and experienced um, more resources for faculty support and so it's amazing to me that our faculty has con have continued to research and write given the limited resources that we have and so I, I admire the faculty so much for their drive and um, their commitment to publishing and then for um, faculty and then staff some of the invisible work really has to do with equity pay. There's been, um, and I obviously can't say too much about it, but there are, um, I was committed to figuring out how in my position I can help increase salary equity of some faculty members and some staff members because it was the right thing to do and it was time. It's, um, I don't, um, some, some of our, uh, the inequities needed to be fully addressed and um, there's commitment in all university leadership, but we just needed to figure out how to go about doing that. And so I, I feel good about having um, made a difference in that, in that space and equity pay. Um, so, you know, I, I agree with Rose, there are so many things that happen behind the scenes that, that people never see. Um, and there are lots of sort of little things like that, but I would say that the big things that I really um, am proud of to sort of think about leaving at the law school. Um, one is that we started the law and inequality class. Um, you know, it's not, it's not mandatory yet, 
Um, but I think that I think that we're getting there. And I've taught that class for the last two years. Um, and it's just a, I think it's a really wonderful addition to the first year curriculum. Um, and it's sort of weird that we don't have any sort of elective in the first year. A lot of law schools have, have made that change. Some of them that I had electives in the first year when I was in law school, which was quite some time ago. So um, we've got some work to do there. But I'm really proud of that class. And I'm proud of making it available to students. Um, I'm also really proud of some of the hires that we've made in terms of faculty over the last couple of years. Um, one, of, one of the biggest legacies that a dean can leave is faculty. Um, you know, who you hire is really meaningful. Um, and we haven't always been as successful as I would like in terms of diversifying, particularly racially diversifying um, um, the faculty in, in Camden, um, but the work continues. Um, so I'm, I'm very happy about that work that we've done. Um, I am thrilled that we now have an innocence project in New Jersey that is based at Rutgers Law School. I could not be prouder of the work that went into that. And that was that was a journey. Um, but I feel like we're really on an upswing with that work right now. And I think that it is going to, I mean, it's literally going to be life-changing for people. Um, and I just feel great about that. And then the last thing is this process that we created to allow our non-tenure track faculty to move on to the tenure track, which sounds like a very, um, um, which doesn't necessarily make sense, right? When you just say it like that, like who cares? Um, but part of why it's so important is that often non-tenure track faculty, so your LAWR faculty, clinical faculty in lots of institutions um, don't have the benefits of tenure, right? So they don't have the kind of job security. Um, they often aren't paid as well as other people. And they tend to be parts of the law school where there are lots of women and people of color, right? So it's, it's this way of sort of segmenting off part of your faculty and then frankly treating them as second class citizens. So the fact that we were able to first get the faculty to sign on to the idea that we should have this path and then literally take it up to the entire university, it had to go up to the president um, in order to get approval for this plan. Um, and then this year we have our first people who have gone from non-tenure track um, to tenure track and who've gotten positive votes from the faculty for tenure and promotion. So um, I am I could not be prouder. Of, of that work. And that was definitely, um, that was a little bit of an uphill battle, but but we got there. And I think it's deeply meaningful for the law school. It's really about, it is an opportunity to live your principles. Um, and I'm glad that we're able to do that. Yeah, I second that. So that part of what I was saying about equity has to do with what Dean Mutchison said, um, because it's, it's not easy trying to push forward a, um, um, a, a, a initiative like transferring some faculty who've been here for a long time from non-tenure track to tenure track. Um, but we were able to, to push for that at the university level and um, and get some resources that we needed for them and then continue to provide support for them. So I yes, I'm so proud of that. And then yes, in terms of hiring, you know, we've been really lucky in the last few years that we've been able to hire um, amazing scholars and um, and who are diverse, you know, people of color. And um, that's true. It's one of your, the Dean's lasting legacies. You know, you walk away and I can say that when I stepped down, I've been able to hire seven people and was able to retain two people. I lost some, unfortunately, to other schools, um, but we were able to also bring in some. And and, and that makes me feel really good about um, the, the service that I've provided to the law school. That's amazing. It's so great to hear you both uh, reflect on your time at Rutgers. And I can say as a student, we've really felt a lot of the effects. Um, I know when you're talking about um, expanding the classes, uh, one class I took last fall um, when I was at 2L was Professor Iyer's Sexuality, Gender, and the Law class. I learned so much. I sat in that class twice a week and I just ate up everything she said. I learned so much and it carried on to so many other classes. Like I took family law this fall and I think it'll help so much with the bar too, but it was also so personally interesting and enriching. And um, it, it was just a, a great class and it just shows how um, offering, you know, so many different kinds of classes um, 
like that really does benefit the students. Oh, good, good, yay. Yeah, that's cool. I took a similar class last fall, Caitlin, so that's really funny. I took it with Professor what Ball. Was it was the same oh, yeah. class, gender, sexuality, and law, Professor Ball. Mm -hmm. um, I also took law and inequality though, last spring, and that was one of my favorite classes I've taken here so far. I took the mm -hmm. professionalism class with Professor Soled, um, and Professor Valverde, and I loved that. That was really amazing and very great to just have discussions with people of all class years. So that was really nice. It definitely should be. Yeah. It's a class everyone should take <laughs> if you can. Well, if you're a 1L, you will, but um, otherwise, yeah. <laughs> um, another question is, what did working together mean to you both? Like, I guess, like, what did having each other, how did that help you? What did that mean? And how could other people learn from your partnership together? Oh, goodness. I mean, we could talk so long a lot about that. Um, so one thing both um, Kim and I have, um, we laugh a lot. So it's, <laughs> I, I think part of it, you have to laugh. The job yeah. is um, challenging, but also just our, um, in terms of our, you know, um, appreciation for humor, we're kind of aligned in that way. And so that I think has helped the relationship. Um, collaboration means being, be, being true partners, in my view. I mean, we really have to have mutual respect for each other's views even if we don't agree with each other, which we actually don't always agree. <laughs> so on the outside, we we try to present a unified front and we're, you know, we by the time we've presented some of our ideas, we've gone through the process of working through some of um, our differences of opinions. And then so that when we present our views to students or to faculty, we, we you know, we're unified, right? That was important to us when we, when we started together. So I'll, I'll start there and then Kim, I'm, Feel free to just jump in. Um, you know, one of the things that we will often hear from deans when we go to, you know, dean gatherings is how lonely this job can be. Um, and so on one hand, you can imagine that a co-deanship could be um, frustrating or difficult because you have to kind of, you know, work with another person. And if your personalities don't fit, like that could be a huge, huge problem. Um, but one of the things that's been so perfect about this job um, is that I've been able to work with Rose. I mean, it's just been a really extraordinary experience um, and it has made it a job that wasn't lonely, right? Because we have each other and we, you know, are, are in the same environment um, and can commiserate with each other and can share stories with each other and can bounce ideas off of each other. Um, and that's just been really critical. And I also think that it helps that we are both, both women um, and both women of color. And I think we, you know, both have experienced, um, even, even in a, in a, in a law school that considers itself to be pretty left and you know probably right. progressive um we've definitely experienced things that i would say have both a race and gender component to them in ways that we have been treated um for from you know a variety of different stakeholders um and it's nice to be able to have somebody who you can talk to about that and not have that person say oh you're probably just making it up or you know um you know that that could sort of gaslighting that i think can often happen when people don't don't share your identities um and we've really been able to support each other uh in that in ways that i think i've um i will always 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 be grateful for and the other thing that's been really great for us is that we are deeding at a time when um the, the, the deans in this country are more diverse than they've ever been. Um, certainly in terms of gender, we have tons of women deans out there now. Um, and there's also this just great collective of women of color deans. Um, and we have a listserv and we have text threads and you know all of this stuff going on. And it is hands down, that group of women um, law deans is the most um, supportive professional community I have ever been a part of. I mean, just absolutely, extraordinary to have access to to people like that um that's just been such a such a gift i would not have made it through this deanship without rose and without that community of people oh yeah same that here question. definitely you feel that they're people are backing you up 
because yeah. it's not always a case. I mean, it, it's a, as a dean, you can get um, your ask of many things from students, rightly so, from faculty, rightly so, and staff, right? Same thing. I mean, there are alumni, multiple stakeholders, and you have to, and it's it's appropriate and completely reasonable for a dean to, um, it's our job to listen, but then whether we can give uh, what they're asking for is a different story, it's a different response. And so there are many challenges um, to, to, our, to being a, a dean, and then to, to add on the layer of uh, gender and race. I mean, it's some of the um, imagine, I mean, you can maybe imagine some of the stereotypes against um, Black women and then stereotypes against Asian American women. So I am sometimes thought of as, oh, you know, she's submissive. And then Dean Mutcherson is a bully. And then you think, my gosh, I mean, is that really the case that if they only knew what it's like behind doors, uh, closed doors, and Dean uh, Hawkins and Dean Gusefa are there with Dean Young and Dean Chase, and then we're all talking and trying to work through some things together. Um, there's a lot of collaboration and, and compromises and conflicts that happened. Um, but on the outside, you know, there are these stereotypes, really, um, you know, unfortunate stereotypes that are lodged against us, which has made me sad. Um, it's part of the, the sad, the, the sad part about being a dean, because you recognize, gosh, they're, you know, despite what you do, sometimes they're just these those um, racial stereotypes and gender stereotypes are still thrown at your face, and you have to present this really, um, oh my gosh, my voice is cracking. <laughs> But you know you can't help but be emotional. Now here I am, the woman being emotional. But it's about um, you know you have to as a leader. You know you got to take it all in stride, right? You just you let it roll off your back and you you stand in front of everybody and then you smile and then you're you're a strong person. I'm sure as I, I imagine Caitlin and Delilah, you've had. I mean, can you think of examples? I'm going to flip it a little bit right now. Can you think of examples <laughs> where that has happened to you, where you've had to you know be the strong SBA president despite maybe some of the. I don't know, stereotypes that might be thought of about you? Yeah, I mean, I can start with that. I came into being president the first time because I was, <laughs> I hate to say this, but I, in my 2L year, I just wanted to lay low. I was president of my sorority in college. And then in, was it my 2L year, a lot of the 3Ls were like, you should run, you'd be great, like, blah, blah, blah. And I was close to the other president. And I very much was like, I don't want to do this. Everyone knew me at school as like a very nice person, a peacemaker, like, oh, you'd be great for this. And so like when I first joined, it was great, but it was also very hard because our SBA at the time was it was there's a lot of like tension in it so a lot of it was very much like I was on the side of the tension at first and so getting to the role of president there was a lot of like some people were very happy they're like oh this person's great she's so welcoming everyone loves her it's great but on the other side I'm like there is a tension but also whenever as like a person of color I think about oh people not liking me or being frustrated with me is it because of me as a person or is it because of my identity of how I'm perceived by other people? So I feel like there's always that question still of like, if people don't like what I'm doing or people don't like me, is it just because I'm doing badly? Or is it because they're like, oh, she was set up, like she's always gonna be bad. I always had this idea in my head because of who she is, like forget her lower whatever standards. <laughs> but I think like over the past year in a way, um, I've seen a lot more, I think, not just diversity in SBA, but also inclusivity. And so I think for myself, like to kind of combat troubles I've had, I've tried especially to have the one else who are there now. And like a lot of the two wheels have stepped up, which is great. So I don't need to really worry about some of them. But I've tried to have a lot of the one else, especially one L's of color or female one L's like have positions. So right now we have a one L female Haitian girl who is making and running our judicial panel for this year, which is an amazing opportunity for her. And she's an amazing girl. She's amazing. And we have other one else who are stepping up to do a fundraiser for Syria. And I think they raised over $600 or $700 like with two days of bake sales in just one week. And so it's really nice to see like there are many people who are discrediting me because of my identity, but at least I know personally that I myself 
and putting in the work to be like, you know what, you can say anything you want about me, but at least I'm giving people the opportunity so they can shine their light and so they can do so much good for the school community. I think uh, Delilah and I maybe had different experiences because, um, so I, the president before me was Ashley. She's been so supportive of me since my, when all year we're very good friends. I could call her right now if I had a question. Um, and then my vice president right now, Hannah, we've become very good friends. And, you know, I'm always here for her, you know, when she was like going through interviews for one on two summers. And um, so having that really supportive community and even, you know, Ashley graduated and I can still go to her for advice, even if it is about SBA. But I think the biggest struggle for me is people from the outside always saying, what does the SBA do? The SBA doesn't do anything for us. It's like, I it can't be the only eyes and ears. People need to come to me, come to the meetings. And also participate and, you know, let us know of broader issues because um, I always think of this saying, it's like, we're all in the same ocean, but we're all in different ships. We're all having different experiences. Um, And I don't have the same experience as everyone else. So I I don't know everything. Um, And I remember a lot when we were working really hard on um, the credit requirement, you know, you had so many voices coming at you. And I felt like my e-board and I really had to keep our head down and try to solve it, you know, the best and, you know, most respectful way that we could and trying to tune out the noise because we want to help everyone. Um, And it's really hard when you feel like you're being criticized, even though you think you're doing the right thing. And I definitely agree with that, Caitlin. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's a universal, (laughs) that is a universal experience. Yeah. 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 You You always have those moments where you're like, well, why don't you do it then? Right. If it's so easy to make everything perfect, why don't you step up and do it? Right. But, but you know, there's a flip side to this, too, in that. Um, so we're four women and we're leading institutions. And then you kind of have to think, gosh, well, you can't always have women do the work. Right. That You want to make sure that the work is um, is equalized across various spectrum. And so on the one hand, we want um, we want to promote women into leadership positions. But you also want to make sure that we're not the only ones doing the work. Others have to take up the mantle and um, and be in charge of committees and um, and and help shepherd uh, different um, initiatives. So, like, I've for me, I've had to find look for find that balance of making sure that there are enough there's enough representation in dif- different um, committees and um, other forms of programs initiatives that we have, and just making sure that women and particularly women of color are not the only are not the ones doing the invisible work, part- especially when. As uh, Kim mentioned, here at the law school and the faculty end, I, mean, I, I would think also the staff end, um, because of the way that we've had differences in, in, um, in statuses, non-tenure track versus tenure track, that we've had unequal pay and unequal um, workloads. And so that has been, you know, that's the forefront of how Kim and I have really tried to, to lead the school in terms of, okay, what does equity look like in, um, in this particular I don't know, in this area, such as assignment of committees or who's going to lead the charge in um, in a bar pass initiative, you know, who's going to be part of that? Yes, um, definitely a unique experience, to say the least. <laughs> um, so now that you have both very, very successfully checked law school dean off the list from July 1st, um, what, do you, what is both of your next chapters going to look like? Well, funnily enough, <laughs> we're, we're both on we're all, both on sabbatical next year. We both have um, a year long sabbatical um, next year, um, and we have we have plans to travel together mm-hmm. to celebrate um, the work that we've done. Um, and then we're both going to be uh, visiting at the um, Birnbaum Women's Leadership Center at NYU. Um, so we, we we cannot get away from each other. We are insisting upon continuing to work together. Um, so we'll both be there doing some work next year um, and. You know, as, as I said in the beginning, most of what I'm really focused on is just trying to get back um, into the swing of, so, you know, I, I, I always describe myself as an academic activist, right? So I'm not a person who um, 
thinks of being a law professor as, you know, my job is just to sort of talk to other law professors. Um, you know, my job is to really think about how I can use the the power and the privilege of my role and this institution to do good things in the world. Right? I mean, I, I became a lawyer because I wanted to be a public interest lawyer. So um, I still care very deeply about being a person who feels, you know, on a regular basis, I say to myself, what have you done today to make the world a better place, which is a lot of pressure to put on oneself. But um, so, you know, I really, I really want to be able to, you know, work with some of the folks who are working with the legislature in New Jersey, um, you know, work with some of the folks who are doing litigation in states that have abortion bans um, right now, um, you know, just sort of creating opportunities to be of use. Um, and being a dean is certainly being of use, but it's being of use in a, in a sort of insular um, uh, way. Um, and so I want to be able to be back out in the world again. And I direct a center on immigration law and policy, but the last couple of years I have not been as active um, in the center. I'm so grateful that Professor Shawnee King had agreed to co-direct the center, and he's and he and our program coordinator Habiba Johnson have been really doing such a great job of introducing different um, programming, inviting guest lecturers to so that the center can still present, provide the kind of interdisciplinary work and um, and research that that is designed for. So I'm going to go back to that when I return to the faculty and on my sabbatical during my sabbatical, I'll start doing uh, research. Uh, much more um, more involved research with Professor King and um, some of our um, visiting fellows in the center, and that work requires uh, many things: writing policy papers. Um, I've you know I've also testified before the New Jersey Legislature and Congress on issues that relate to the center's work, and so I'm eager to go back to that. And um, and there are some things too when when I reflect on the deanship, there are many things that we did that I, I mean I I wonder what the um, how it transfers to other work. So for example, deaning during the pandemic, I mean, talk about crisis management, right? Crisis leadership for about two years. That taught me so many things um, about uh, resilience and um, how to manage um, competing interests and the limited resources, how to be much more empathetic to students and faculty and staff who are dealing with so much. I mean, there's just so much to be learned from, from the pandemic and crisis leadership. So I, it's gonna take me some time to, to truly reflect and learn from that. And I'd love to be able to write about it. Dee Muchis and I talk about co-writing something, but there's just no time right now. <laughs> Other than we co-write a lot, we statements or, you know, when we send out messages to students, those are co-written and there's a lot of back and forth and changing here and there. And um, so I'm looking forward to reflecting on the experience of being a Dean during these really difficult, challenging times of the pandemic, plus the racial reckoning that we went through. And um, you know what? What did that mean in terms of the legal curriculum that we wanted to to develop at the law school? So I'm looking forward to uh, to thinking much more deeply about what I've learned um, in in doing during those crises moments in all over the country, but particularly as a dean in, in a law school. That's great, and I um, really look forward to and hope you both will be able to find the time someday to co-write something because I think that would be absolutely remarkable. And um, something I feel like we've touched on a lot during the interview, like this theme of like getting back to your roots. And it makes me think about, and I don't know, Delilah, if you think about this too, always having to remind yourself like why we came to law school. Because once you're here, it just seems like there's so many different paths and doors to open and it can become quite overwhelming. Yeah, no, I definitely feel that. It's, especially in 3L, I'm like, okay, let's remember what happened three years ago or whenever it was. I guess for me, it was four years ago because I deferred. But what, what was I thinking when I first applied? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely hard sometimes. <laughs> um, 
So I guess this month, or at least from the New Jersey Women's Law Association, you'll be receiving the Trailblazer Award together, which is very exciting. Congratulations. Um, so in that, like, how do you feel about receiving it? Especially like, together, I guess, like, how does that make you feel to know that you weren't just a trailblazer in your field, but also you both were like in this position, like no one has done what you both did. And no one is either of you. How do you feel about all that as you're winding down in your time? It's, it's actually a pretty weird feeling. Um, so when I when I became dean, like I said, it was a very sort of fast process, right? Um, and um, as they were sort of preparing to make the announcement that I was going to be the next dean, um, you know, there was like a press release, and um, you know, I was the first the first woman, the first black person, or really the first person of color, um, and the first queer person to be dean at Rutgers Law School in Camden. Um, and so they did this like press release and all this stuff, and it was um, it was a much bigger deal than I thought it would be. Um, and just like random, you know, random people on campus would stop me and be like, oh, you're the new dean at the law school. Congratulations. And, um, you know, my, uh, I always tell this story, my, um, the uh, preschool, the kindergarten teacher who taught me how to read sent me an email congratulating me because there was like stuff in the newspaper. I mean, it was, it was sort of ridiculous. Um, and so on one hand, I felt like, wow, this is really great, right? Because I do believe very deeply that representation matters and, and that it's very hard to become something when you've never seen it in front of you. And so I value the fact that I've been able to be that for people. Um, you know, and I love it when I you know, go talk in an event or something and some often a black woman who's a law student will come up to me afterwards and be like, can I just give you a hug? I'm so happy that you're here. You know, I love, I love, 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 love um, those moments. Um, but I also think that there are significant pressures that come along with being somebody who's a trailblazer. You know, people, people treat you differently. People see the role differently when the person who's sitting in the dean suite looks different than everybody else who has ever um, been in that, in that dean suite. You have sort of weird, like small things. Like one of the things that I've talked about with my friends a lot is that um, like alumni and donors will be much more physical with me than they have than I've ever seen them be with the male deans before me, right? So they don't necessarily put out their hand to shake my hand. They'll give me hugs, and I'm a hugger, so I can handle that. But it's it's like I've you know I, I've been at this school for over 20 years. I have never seen you hug a dean before, and yet you see me, and that's like the first thing you do, right? Um, so there's sort of interesting things uh, like that that you have to kind of make sense of and, and wrap your, wrap your head around. Um, but I always, you know, I really think of this role. I have, I'm a very big quote person and I have this quote from, um, Ayanna Presley that's up in my office and I'm not sitting in my office right now, so I'm not going to say it um, perfectly, but basically what she said is, um, you know, I'm not here just to take up space. I'm here to create it. And that's really how I have thought about, um, this job and what I want to leave behind and what I want to be able to create while I'm here. Um, because I think that I, I just bring a really different perspective than literally everybody who has had this job um, before me. And I want to be able to value that and to honor that. Um, and I feel like I've been able to do that over the last you know four and a half years or so. Um, and that part of that has been being able to work with Rose and have this really um, valuable both working relationship um, and friendship. So the fact that we get to um, receive this award together really just makes it that much richer, that much, that much more fabulous. <laughs> um, I, I echo what Dee Mutchison said. I mean, I'm, I'm, I feel so honored that we are both getting this award and that I'm glad that we're getting it together. Um, there is something about being first, right? So on the Newark side, I'm the first woman law dean um, at the law school in Newark, and I'm the first um, Asian American woman dean here, and um, the first Filipino American dean in the country. And that was the one that I think um, I would get emails from um, from people about that. And like right away, the same. I grew up in a small um, island. I was born in the Philippines, but I grew up in a small island. 
And then as soon as people heard, it's like made the news, Island Girl becomes Dean of a law school. It's like, you know, um, and then one of the reporters there asked if we could do a Zoom interview. And, you know, hours later on Facebook, it was all over Facebook. And I think it was, and I had my former high school teacher reach out, two of them actually said, we're so proud of you. And there's something about being the first that is important to many because representation does matter. But what I think about in this position is that we can't be the last, right? You, op- you open the door, you help to open the door, but then you leave the door open so other people can come through. And then you let them shine, you do what you can so that they can come through the door. And I really took that to heart in, um, in this um, position. So I, I'm, I feel really good about um, the, the Trailblazer Award. I mean, I'm, I was surprised. We were both surprised when we got the email. It's not something that we expected. I went to last year's um, gala and wow, I mean, that room is so big and there's just all these lawyers all from New Jersey who showed up for all the other trail, uh, the, the Trailblazer um, awardees last year. And it was impressive. And then to think that Dee Mutchison and I will be up there too, I mean, I'm really humbled that it has happened. So, and then we get to, are, are we going to be twinning, right? We decided we're going to be twinning then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I believe that we should wear the same outfit. Okay, um, they can't tell so us apart. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> We are the shortest deeds in the country. The I'm shortest deeds sure. in the country. We are. That's the other yeah. thing about us. The Even when you stack us up, we might still be the shortest deeds. <laughs> no. <in the> <laughs> we are small but mighty. That's right. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> That's very funny. Thank you for answering that. I can do more of like a, a fun question. Yeah. <laughs> that one, the trailblazer one wasn't fun. That one was very fun, but no more tough ones. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Um, what was your favorite and least favorite classes when you were both law students? Oh, I hated property. And it's kind of like, <laughs> Me too. Oh, it's the oh worst. I hated property. I could not stand property. It was year long. I went to school at American <sighs> University, Washington College of Law. I loved it. I would not trade my law school experience for anything. But one L year, property was year long. And I, gosh, I could I, I hated it to my core. And then my 3L year, I did clinic. Um, it was landlord tenant clinic. And then I fell in love with property. I saw the power of property law and um, in creating access to people of color, how you can use other laws to break down these old archaic property laws to try to make sure to remove barriers in um, in ongoing discrimination in property law. So then it it took my 3L year to finally understand and have deep appreciation for property. Yeah, but I hated it. (laughs) Well, what's your, what was your favorite? So so the clinic was your favorite? No, I mean, I like clinic too, but I, okay. I, so much work, year-long clinic. Um, I love the seminar that uh, my professor taught, Asian Americans and the Law. It was um, one of the, the first in the country. Uh, it was taught by Letty Volpe, who, for whom I was her research assistant. And um, at the end of that semester, I was her RA and I took her class. And um, I wrote a paper that got published at UCLA. And she said, you know, Rose, you should think about going into law teaching. And it wasn't until then that I thought about it. And, you know, I'm first in my family to go to college, to go to law school. No, no one is a professor in my family or a lawyer. And then she, you know, she was one of the few women of color, you know, professors of color at AU, a very progressive school, right? But still, um, and even though I saw she's Asian American and I still didn't see myself as a professor until she told, she had to tell me that. And um, so I think for me, that that's my favorite class because it inspired the work that I do now, my research in immigration and citizenship and critical race theory, but also because it's what led me to, it's the beginning of where, how I got to where I am. I love that. Um, so at, like, like, like Rose, um, I hated property. I hated everything about it. I hated being in the classroom. I didn't like the professor. I didn't like the book. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I could not with property. Um, 
And in terms of favorite classes, I'm going to cheat a little bit because I have a few. Um, my clinic was amazing. I did a clinic called the Prisoners and Families Clinic, and we represented women who were incarcerated, who had um, family law uh, um, issues. And um, one of the clients that my partner and I worked with was a woman who was incarcerated at Bedford Hills Correctional Facility um, in New York, and she was losing parental rights. Um and we had to at one point go and visit her at the prison and basically say to her, you know, we've been through the whole record, you're, you're going to lose, essentially. And we're like, you know, 20 something law students, neither one of us has kids um, and like sitting in this room, you know, in the prison and saying, and that, that will never, ever forget that. And sort of the power of that and the power of being um, at, that, at that time, a future lawyer um, and sort of literally having such a critical part of somebody's life in your hands and not being able to do what you wanted to do for them. Um, I also took a class that was, um, was a seminar and it was on, it was sort of like a, sort of like a gender law and sexuality class, um, but it was taught by Kendall Thomas, um, who's a black gay man. Um, uh, this was at Columbia when I, when I was in law school there and he's still fantastic and I love him to death. Um, and then it was taught, it was co-taught by Evan Wolfson and Evan Wolfson at the time, I think he might've still been at Lambda Legal at the time, but he ended up creating an organization called Freedom to Marry, which was completely, um, a huge part of getting us to a burger. Um, but this was in the this was in the mid '90s, mid to late '90s when I was um, in law school, um, and they would just have these really great, you know. So Evan was like the activist, and Kendall was sort of more the the, the theoretical person. And we would sit in class sometimes and just the two of them would go back and forth and just watching them do that and just like hearing these super smart people um, and sort of thinking about, you know, how do you translate what's going on in, in the classroom into activism, which is what Evan um, was doing and ultimately was successful so many years later. Um, that was very, very cool. Um, and then I took a civil rights class with Kim Crenshaw, inventor of intersectionality, um, or at least the term intersectionality. Um, and that was a really great class. And she um, had gone to law school with Brian Stevenson. And she had him come in and do a guest lecture one time, um, you know, talking about his work and, you know, death penalty abolition and all this great stuff. Um, and I just remember, you know, walking up to him after class and he just had told these really powerful stories and I'm introducing myself and I'm just bawling, you know, um, and, and just, you know, that reminder of what a law degree can do. Right. So law can fail us in so many ways. Right. Um, which is why we have all of these people on death row. Um, um, too many of whom should not be there, not only because the death penalty is deeply racist, um, but also because they didn't do the things that they're accused of doing. Um, and, you know, seeing this person who had just committed his life to the work that he is still doing was just so deeply, deeply inspirational. And that, you know, that was definitely one of those moments, right? You're saying you have these moments where you have to remind yourself, why did I go to law school? Brian Stevenson reminded me why I went to law school, hands down. I love that. Yeah, he's amazing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely amazing. That is amazing. I feel like there's always that, um, you know, that one or two or a few professors who um, always, I, I feel like I can think of some of my friends and even myself really helped, you know, get you on your path or change the course and, you know, really make you believe what you want to do is possible. Yeah. 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 And that kind of goes back to what, we, you know, what Rose and I both said, right, which is being in the classroom, interacting with students, um, being a mentor, being a friend, um, being a support system, you know, that that's the, that's the part of the job that, when you that you, that I certainly miss the most, and I think Rose did mm -hmm. too, um, as dean, because you don't get to have those those kinds of interactions as much um, as you do when you're when you're you know teaching a full load. We've had other interactions too. Um, with yeah, students. absolutely. I mean, yeah. outside the classroom, and not always um, uh, pleasant ones, right? And, <laughs> um, and I say this coming from a place of I think it's right for students to challenge, um, to critique, 
um, the administration to critique professors. It's their job. I mean, it's and we need to listen and pay attention. And、um, as I think about the last few years, where there are different. Um, conversations with students、um, about either the, the curriculum or things that happen in the classroom,、um, then you, you you know that it's that students、um, are asking for something that they really care about, and our job as deans is to to listen and 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 again going back to the how do you manage different stakeholders and and negotiate those conflicts, and so there's a lot of lesson to be learned from、uh, the relationships developed with students, whether in the classroom or outside. Yeah, I, I also the, the thing that I will add to that though is I think that there's also a part of it where, particularly because you all are law students,、um, where we also want you to be learning how to be good advocates for yourselves, right? What's the best way to open a conversation with somebody who you want to do something for you?、Um, and I can assure you, it's not a list of demands. That is never the best way to open a conversation.、Um, and so one of the things that I that I have actually found a little frustrating is,、um, you know, not always being able to say to students. Um, I wish you. I wish you had done this a different way, or I think you would have been more successful if.、Um, you know, those are those are sort of frustrating moments because there oftentimes there are things that I would have said if I was a professor, but I won't say、um, as dean. So you know, some people might be getting emails from me on July first, being like, "I wanted to say this to you two and a half years ago,"、um, but I'm going to say it to you now. Well, well, thank you all so much. This was really a fun conversation, and and we know that you know you've got lots of stuff going on. Um, so we appreciate that you were willing to take the time to come and come and talk with us today. Yeah, thank you so much, Caitlin and Delilah. Thank you for having us. This is great. Yes, thank you for having us, and congratulations on your Trailblazer Award. It's、yes. so exciting, and good luck as you finish up your last few months as our co-deans. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you. The Power of Attorney is produced by Rutgers Law School. With two locations minutes from Philadelphia and New York City, Rutgers Law offers the prestige and reputation of a large, nationally known university with a personal, small campus experience. Learn more by visiting law.rutgers.edu.